Find other great podcasts like this one at podmoth.network. In 2016, the small and normally safe and quiet town of Redding, Ohio, was besieged by a crime spree, the likes of which had never been seen before. The Redding Buttstabber case made national news and kept the city in terror for 17 months. We all know the story of the Redding Buttstabber, but today we'll hear from the people who were affected by these crimes and the effect that they had on this small Midwestern town. We'll also hear, for the first time, from the man who put an end to it all. Today on Spine Chilling Crime, with your host, me, Scout Martin. Redding, Ohio, a town with only slightly more than 10,000 residents, two traffic lights, a dive bar, a coffee shop, and a dark past. On June 12, 2016, the first local news story hits. A man waiting for a bus in the local bus station is stabbed. The newscasters make light of the crime. The man is okay. He's treated and released from the hospital with only a single injury, a stab wound to the butt. No one knew that this was only the beginning of a series of crimes that would leave six people dead and 173 injured over the course of a year and a half. Yeah. I remember the beginning of the Buttstabber case. The newscasters couldn't stop laughing about it. But, I mean, it was kind of funny. Like, somebody's going around the bus station stabbing people in the butt with a pocket knife. It was like some kind of really sick joke. Honestly, I was I was pretty surprised when I found out it wasn't Jack Billings who was behind it all. But it was no joke. In the days and weeks that followed, more people would be stabbed in the butt. Within two weeks, there were so many stabbings that the bus station needed to be shut down. It would soon become clear that nowhere was safe from the butt stabber. The gas station, the church, the skate park, the Kroger's, and the bar all had stabbing incidents. The frequency of the attacks was increasing, and so was the severity. A few of the victims needed to be hospitalized, some from infections, some from blood loss. It wasn't funny anymore. It was time to take these butt-stabbing seriously. To make matters worse, the butt-stabber was starting to get a following, especially among the teens and children in the town. Sales of pocket knives had to be restricted to only adults. But it was already too late. The schools and playgrounds were plagued by copycat stabbings. The children had also turned it into a game where they took turns stabbing each other in the butt with the same knife, or as they called them, their friendship markers, making them butt brothers. I have two children who were seven and nine while all of this was going on, and it was definitely a stressful time. Especially since my daughter, Claire, was obsessed with the case. I had to take no less than five pocket knives away from her. All of the kids thought the whole thing gave them free reign to just stab each other. It was insane. Luckily, the whole thing didn't last very long. As quickly as butt-stabber fever exploded with the kids, it disappeared. 
That's because on July 20th, 2016, only a little more than a month after the first documented butt stabbing, the butt stabber recorded his first fatality. Dr. Chansey Orange was staying late at his pharmacy, as he did several days a week, waiting for one of his customers who couldn't come in during regular business hours. From the security camera footage taken from the scene, it looks like Dr. Orange heard the bell, but thinking nothing of it, asked who he thought was his late customer to wait a moment while he finished his work. With his back facing the door, he was in prime position to have his butt stabbed. Before he knew what was happening, the butt stabber hopped over the counter, stabbed Dr. Orange in the butt, and fled the pharmacy, leaving Dr. Orange to bleed out in his own shop. When customers found him in the morning, it was too late. This was no longer a fun, silly game. With the first official murder on record in nearly 15 years, the police investigation ramped up into high gear. Most of the active duty cops in the small town had never seen this kind of action. That wasn't true, however, for the chief of police, Chief Perez. Oh, shit! I remember Citizen Orange. That poor old guy didn't deserve to go out like that. So much blood. It was only the second time I saw a body, and the first was when I found Seamus McGregor. He was burned up like a nice, tasty, well-done steak. But this one... There... there was a whole... A normal dead person and a lot of blood and excuse me I can't after the first casualty of the butt stabber the police investigation ramped up the entire force was put on the case citizens were on full alert businesses and private homes all installed extra security cameras in hopes of catching a glimpse of the butt stabber and on August 1st Someone finally did. And we'll find out more about that after this message from our sponsor. Hey, pal. This is Liam Hunter, and I tattoo. Oh my god, are you even paying attention? You're not even looking. Hey now, princess. Come on. Stop with all the squirming already. I swear, if you fuck up my commercial, I'm gonna be super fucking pissed off. Ow! Seriously? Shut up! Yeah, so, uh, Liam Hunter, and I specialize in butt tattooing. And, and also, I'm the coolest tattoo guy you will find out here in the Cincinnati area. And that's a promise to you. Oh my god, ow, that hurts! Uh, any, anyway... I usually ink people in, you know, like, my kitchen or bathroom. If you're too fucked up to make the trip, you know, drunk or high or whatever, no problem. I have a pretty cool setup in my pickup. The entire bed of the truck is ready for some tattooing action. Um, can you, like, at least stop smoking while you're doing this? Pow. Girly. Just calm it. Here, have a cigarette. No. Ew. Hey, why did you have me take my top off? At where was I? Uh, right, right. I, I worked up a couple of flash sheets strictly for the victims of this whole Redding butt stabber thing. Oh, what a tragedy. I, I guess it could also be for, like, you know, I guess normal assholes with scars from other life stuff or whatever. 
That's why I'm offering these tattoos at a discounted weight. Oh, so like, can I get some money back? What? Are, are you a fucking deaf? I said discounted weight, not rate. Honey, I've got bills to pay and habits to feed. Basically, I don't have the wait time that all these fancy shops around here have. And let's get real, neither do you, pals. You need a tattoo, and you shouldn't have to get put on some stupid list for this type of service. Hell, this is fucking America, and you have the right to have me alter your pigmentation ASAP. And in Liam Hunter's America, I get my clients finished up the same week they reach out to me. Say, uh, like, look at this flash sheet here. Unicorn, with, you know, a scar going up its side. Ow! Oh my god! Liam, that one really hurt! Can we just, like, do this after your- Shut up! Uh, oh, this one's a fan favorite so far. Skull! With a scar over its eye socket. Uh, I- I'm pretty good at tribal, so, uh, butt tribal's really in right now. Uh, let's see, butterflies, or fairies, or, you know, whatever the hell girls get. Some mushrooms. I, I can, uh, uh, you know, they could have, like, a wounded wing. Oh, this one. Check it out. Uh, <laughs> is it Harley Davidson logo? And it looks like a scar's running through it. Badass, right? Right, so uh, the, the time I paid for recording this is basically up. Uh, what I'm getting at here is if you want a tattoo, just show up at Jack Billings Presents O'Connor Orchid Estates Apartment Complex or whatever and uh, just go on up to the front desk and talk to that semi-hottie Abigail girl. Ask for Liam. She'll get you all hooked up. See you real soon for some classy body art. Adam Lynch, well-known and well-liked bartender at the local Frickers. Described by his neighbors as a little strange, but very nice. He lived in the neighborhood for nearly two decades. Once the footage of him perpetrating the crimes went public, everyone thought they could relax, that the police would have him in a cell by the end of the day. But they were wrong. Despite 24-hour police detail on Lynch's home and job, police were unable to find him. It wasn't until after his death that they found his hideout inside Jack Billings Presents O'Connor Orchid Estates Apartments in the apartment of Mr. Kevin Train Moxley. Adam? Yeah, he was a little strange, but very nice. The thing that drove me crazy about him was that he pronounces reading as reading. He said that was how his grandpappy always said it. He climbed into my window one night when he saw the cops at his house and snuck into the walk-in closet in my spare bedroom. He was living there for months before I found him, and I figured at this point it would be rude of me to kick him out. So I just let him stay. He had a nice little setup in there, a sleeping bag, a mini fridge, a hot plate, and a bookshelf. I still go in there to hide sometimes, when Michael's knocking on my door, looking for free medical advice. It's actually very cozy. The only time he ever got annoying was on Tuesdays 
Thursdays, and Fridays. Those are the days I play The Sign by Ace of Bass at full volume all day long. He would bang on the door, screaming, If you don't stop, something bad will happen. Whatever. He never did anything about it. But he did do something about it. For the next full calendar year, there were at least three victims of the butt stabber per week. Like clockwork, every Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday, Lynch would go on a rampage, and no one knew why. Despite increased police surveillance and citizens' vigilance, the regular attacks continued throughout the year. There was no rhyme or reason to the attacks. They never took place at any regular location or at any specific time. No one was safe. Five more people would die during this time. George Stewart went into shock after being stabbed six times in the butt. Joseph Singh tried to fight off Lynch and was knocked to the street and hit by a bus. Anna Sachs developed sepsis after leaving her stab wound untreated for too long. Emma Stock fell off her fifth floor balcony after being stabbed in the butt. And Joshua Saint dropped dead of a heart attack upon seeing Lynch approaching him. Add to that the hundreds of other stabbings and the story got national attention. The incidents even warranted a press release from President Clinton. I really, I'm going to say on this show, I really would like to know who picks the news for all stations and all magazines every day. Every morning there's three or four stories that's the same in every newspaper around the exactly. country, around the world. I mean, who picks it though? There's got to be one or two, three people every night. That's a heck of a um, you know, responsibility because those stories describe your world. They describe, and people, when you describe it, they live accordingly to what they think. Mm-hmm. So, Whoever is doing that is a pretty dangerous person because it's, it's single-minded now. Every magazine has the same stories, every newspaper has the same stories, and every TV station has the same stories. Now, we know that there's a ticket paper in every station that comes over. There's yeah. a thousand stories on there. Who picks those stories? Who says that this crack house and that every night, this crack house, this crack house, does, it's not as important as this plane that brought that ton of drugs in or that ton of drugs in. This is the end result of all of that. In August of 2017, President P. Funk called in the feds. He put a member of the National Guard on every street corner. He set up checkpoints on every street going in and coming out of town. And he put a strict curfew on every citizen of Reading, Ohio. Lynch could no longer continue to get away with his crimes. He went into complete isolation. No one knows his whereabouts during this time or how he managed to keep himself alive. The stabbing stopped. The town could rest a little easier, but not everyone was happy. Lordy freaking Lou! Yep, the, the, the old butt stabbings, they just, you know, stopped. And I, uh, well, I never even got stabbed. All those people got to experience the most extreme of extremes. But not me, not Jack Billings. What is wrong with my buttocks, huh? Nothing, that is what. I've asked a lot of people. I, uh, uh, like the people on the public bus. And biscuits and gravy. I would even walk around the town wearing only a pair of buttless chaps. Trying to hand random folks on the street my friendship marker just in hopes that one of them would luckily end up being the butt-stabber. 
And a lot of good that did me. What does a guy gotta do to get his butt stabbed around here? Is what I would say. Cat calls just aren't the same as a cheap pocket knife ripping on through the flesh. I mean, sure, I convinced my very own real-life brother Kevin to do it, you know, once or twice, but it just wasn't the same. Typical Americans, yeah. Those 173 victims have no idea how truly blessed they are. I still have dreams of being number 174. <sighs> On October 6th, after 90 days with no attacks and still no sign of Lynch despite daily searches, the authorities deemed the threat finished. The National Guard was called back. The FBI returned to Washington, D.C. The federal funding for extra police was cut off. Within a week, the town returned to normal. Businesses opened back up, travel was reinstated, and citizens returned to the streets. The terror of the butt-stabber incident was finally over. After a few weeks, people started to forget about the incident. Even after just this short time, the butt-stabber became more of a local folklore story than a real-life serial killer. People started looking forward to things again. Halloween was just around the corner, which was always a big deal in the town of Redding, Ohio. Parties were planned. People were getting their costumes together. Torn jeans, green hoodies, and black bandanas across their faces, holding comically large plastic butcher knives. The butt stabber was the number one costume that year. There was even a slutty version for the ladies. Children were getting ready to trick or treat. They all dressed in similar costumes that year. They too were all the butt stabber. Surprisingly, Halloween went off without a hitch, as did Thanksgiving. No one had seen nor heard from Lynch in months. It was presumed that he'd either skipped town or that he was dead. Oh, yeah, sure thing, you bet. I mean, of course I dressed as the butt stabber that year. <laughs> that was among my top five Halloweens, like, ever. I went around all the neighborhoods, ringing doorbells. Right oh, you, you with me, yeah? And when a kid would answer the door, I'd yell, Oh, boy, how do you look at me? I'm the real-life red butt-stabber, and I'm gonna stab you in the rump area! <laughs> yeah, and then I'd throw a banana at them and run away onto the next house. What? what Oh, if an adult opened the door? Oh, you mean like a parent and or guardian or whatever. Sure, well, well then I just asked to speak with their children. You know, I'm not really sure what it is. Most folks find me very trustworthy at first. And then, well, you know, people. For Lynch, it would have been better if he had skipped town because what happened next led to his actual death. He decided to try to bring the terror of the butt stabber back to Redding, Ohio. On Christmas Day, 2017, Lynch left his hideout for the first time in seven months with the intention of stabbing the first butt he found. 
Unfortunately for Lynch, the first person he found was Dylan Townsend. Oh, yeah, bro. Yeah, I remember that night. Dude, I was chasing some world-class coochie, man. This fucking chick I met, you know, that stinky shithole bar, you know, the one smells like piss and cough drops. Um, anyway, you know, I, I didn't have any money for a hotel room, you know, I was just gonna take her back to my house. Dude, she couldn't keep her fucking hands off me, bro. We didn't even get out of the car, man. I parked, man, she jumped in the back seat, titties out, man, it was on, bro. <laughs> Before we could even get down, man, this fucking asshole, it's, bro, rips the door open, stabs her right in her ass, man, like, dead center left booty cheek, man. <laughs> so, like, Pulled the knife out, man. I grabbed this fucking dude by the neck, man. Pulled him into the seat, man. Stabbed him a bunch of times right in his stupid fucking face, bro. Jack was pissed off, man. I uh, I missed the dude's face. Ripped the fucking upholstery in his charger, bro. Like, I don't know, man. Like, I felt good after stabbing this dude, but, you know, I couldn't get back in the mood, dog. Like, really fucked up my swing, you know? Like, she had this big gaping stab wound, bro. Fucking crushed my wood, bro, you know? Guess it was a bad day for everyone. Adam Lynch died in the hospital of his injuries that night. His death was ruled a justifiable homicide on the grounds of self-defense, and Mr. Townsend was set free. Lynch was buried in the private cemetery on the grounds of Jack Billings Presents O'Connor Orchid Estates Apartments. There hasn't been a butt-stabbing since, but that doesn't mean that the hold Lynch had on the town will ever be forgotten. There is a memorial wall in the bus station for everyone who was attacked during the incident. The children still sing a playground song about him. Everyone in Reading is watching their butt. On our streets lurks a crazy nut. No one anywhere is safe and sound. Will the Reading butt stabber ever be found? Going to the church, you won't be safe there. Going to the school, you won't be safe there. Going to the movies, you won't be safe there. The Redding butt stabber will shank your ass anywhere. Everyone in Redding is watching their ass. See a stranger with a knife, you better run fast. No one anywhere is safe and sound. Will the Redding butt stabber ever be found? Going to the ball game, won't be safe there. Going to the sweet shop, won't be safe there. Going to the zoo, won't be safe there. The Redding butt stabber will shank your ass anywhere. Everyone in Redding is watching their behind. Man on the loose, and he won't be kind. No one anywhere is safe and sound. Because the Redding butt stabber will never be found. How many butts did the butt stabber stab? One, two, three, four. Five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. There's even a butt stabber museum and gift shop on the outskirts of town. Some folks in Reading swear they still see glimpses of Lynch in the window of Kevin Train Moxley's spare bedroom window that he never closes the blinds of, but that's something for a different podcast to investigate. Thanks again, chillers, for tuning in to Spine Chilling Crime. I'd also like to thank Abigail Reynolds, Michael Colby, Kevin Train Moxley, Jack Billings, Chief Perez, and Dylan Townsend for their time and their testimonials. 
I couldn't have done this episode without them. That's all for this week. I'm Scout Martin, and I'll see you next week for more spine-chilling crime. Wait, Adam was the butt-stabber? Thank you for listening to Jack Billings Presents Haunted Apartment Complex, a proud member of the Podmoth Network. Today's episode was written by Michael Colby and Matt Deterior. Editing and production by Michael Colby. This episode starred Gabrielle Lewis Stam as Scout Martin, Julia Eberfield as Abigail Reynolds, Michael Colby as Michael Colby and Chief Perez, Matt Deterior as Liam Hunter and Jack Billing, Jericho Joy as Topless Tattoo Customer, Kevin Train Moxley as Kevin Train Moxley, and Jason Whitmer as Dylan Townsend. If you want to get a hold of us, you can email us at jackbillingsofficial at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter, jackbillingspod, or at myneighbormich1. Anna Sachs. D- d- sexy. No, I don't want to. Sexy. sexy. What is it? Sexy. It's just sexy. Okay. You got it right. <clears throat> Whoa. No, I'm not. <laughs> getting so fucking angry. Okay. Do I sound okay? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Furious. Nah. <clears throat> <clears throat> <clears throat> Ooh, steamy. Me, 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 me. <laughs> Redding butt stabber will shank your ass and... Whoa. The Redding, the Redding butt stabber will shank your patoot anywhere. It would have timed out perfectly if I wasn't so fucking late today. <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> Thanks again, chillers, for... T- I want to say turning every fucking time. Do you love unraveling a good old-fashioned whodunit? Oh, honey, me too. I'm Alicia, armchair detective and host of Dead On, a true crime podcast. Join me every Friday. We'll dive into a case that scratches your itch for true crime, dark history, and mystery. Streaming now, everywhere you love to listen.